ideal The dream of a million girls who are more than pretty Can come true in Atlantic City For she may turn out to be the queen of femininity Hello everyone, welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast Today we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 15. I'm Freddie, and Pep is my middle name. (laughs) I'm Kennedy, and I'm Miss Grumpy Pants USA. (laughs) All right, and we are just two Riverdale fans, one comic book nerd and one regular book nerd who have come together to discuss this final season with all of you. How are you today, Kennedy? I'm, I'm pretty good, actually. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be talking about Riverdale with you again. We took a two week break. Um, so how, how has your break been? <laughs> it's been good. Very refreshing. Um, I had to, to travel for work. So really exciting stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you travel far? No, I just drove like an hour and a half. I had to do like a college fair. I worked mm-hmm. for admissions at a college. So, you know, a lot of like, you know, kids have been asking me, what's your engineering program like? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh. I'm glad you uh, made it back in one piece to, to talk about Riverdale with me. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah, I I didn't do much um, as far as like podcasting over the break. So I have a lot to say. Like I actually went, like I have to say, that musical episode has really grown on me since we last talked about it. Really? <laughs> yes. Wait, like, did I, you rewatch it? I've rewatched, I've listened to it. Like um, I, I got to amend my rating of it because uh, I, I just feel like I wasn't generous enough and I want to bump it up to a nine. I'm giving one, I'm going to give it a nine because Ooh. like, even though it had its flaws, even though, you know, it's not narratively cohesive or the pastiche is like not there, but, um, but it had so much charm and it, it's just meaningful to me. <laughs> I think maybe this is just me being biased, being like such a Riverdale fan, but I think all Riverdale has charm. I could like, I could tell you a hundred faults with each episode and still Mm -hmm. be like, I don't know. It was fun and cute. Yeah. yeah. I'm so biased. Yeah. Like I don't mind giving a a more biased rating now that I've I've had a lot of time for it to sink in because I, I have some thoughts about this new episode that go back to the musical episode or even some of the other older musical episodes. So so we got a lot to talk about today. All right. Nice. Um, but real quick, let's talk news. Um, all right. So the first news item I'd like to share, uh, I've heard that Josie is coming back. Ashley Murray. Have you heard about that? No. I mean, I guess. Yeah. No, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, this is uh, big news. I'm excited. I don't I can't imagine. uh what they're gonna do because i don't think they're gonna bring back all the pussycats we haven't even met the pussycats in the 50s i don't think they can top the previous episode they did with the pussycats but hopefully they'll have something fun in store uh i'm really thankful for ashley murray to come back because she's had a rough go of uh of things at the cw with lots of canceled spinoffs and shows yeah that's got to be difficult and the crazy thing is i feel like I would have watched Josie and the Pussycat spinoff personally. Definitely, but I wanted that so bad. I was, I still want it. <laughs> it. Like the development of it is probably really tied to like Riverdale's ratings, which is kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, like Riverdale's ratings have gone down. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know if it's in the cards, unfortunately. But we're going to get her back, so that's good. Yeah, at least one more episode. All right. Um, in other news, um, the day that we are recording this, Thursday, July 20th, this is the eve of Barbenheimer. So, <laughs> so Barbie and the Oppenheimer movie are coming out tomorrow. Um, do you plan to see either or both of those? I kind of do want to see them. I'm honestly not a big movie person. I really mm-hmm. enjoy um, watching things in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like I actually think that Oppenheimer's life story is extremely interesting. Like I just, I think he's a very cool guy. And then also Barbie, Margot Robbie. Actually, fun fact, my car is named after Margot Robbie. That's how much I like Margot Robbie. Yeah, I saw the big short, which she's in, when I was like 13, 14. And I was like, oh, wow, she's really hot. And then when I got my first car, I named my car Margot after her. Cool, cool. Well, um, are you going to see them? I'm probably more excited for Barbie than Oppenheimer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I might just go see Barbie. I might watch Oppenheimer down the line if I'm interested. Um, I will say three hours is a long movie. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, there's been so much hype on the internet for both of these movies and even Archie comics themselves are excited because they recently released a comic book called Betty and Veronica friends forever beach party where, Veronica hosted um, uh, in, in, in their universe, they call it Babby instead of Barbie. <laughs> so she hosted a Babby themed beach party and and they're excited because there's a movie coming up in their universe too. So they invited one of the actors from the movie. Uh, I think the guy is playing Kent instead of Ken. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like it could be a Riverdale episode. Like, I'm here for all of this. <laughs> I would love it if we got a crossover. Uh, and I love the outfits that Margot Robbie's been wearing. She looks yeah. amazing. She's literally a real life Barbie doll. Like she's yeah. having the role so so well. Um uh, in other news, um, I have to mention this because it's it just it's so weird to me. Um there was a show on HBO Max called F Boy Island. Have you ever heard of that show? Yes, I have. I have friends who are really, one specific friend who's really into trashy reality TV. <laughs> and she told me about it. She yeah. said it was awful. Yeah, like I watched it and um, and now the CW has picked it up. What? Got, like there, there were two seasons on HBO and then got canceled. And then then it was announced that the CW was going to pick it up. And, and I was wondering, are they going to make a new season? But it turns out they're just going to air the season that they already filmed. And this was all announced before the writer's strike and before um, the, the Screen Actors Guild strike, which we, um, which we support. I want, I want to be clear about that. But um, yeah. it's just um, a surprise because it seems to me like this is a new trend that um, shows that we're streaming are now moving back to network TV for various reasons. Um, um, Obviously, they don't want to pay writers and actors anymore. But on top of that, uh, I think they probably get more ad revenue. I don't know. But um, but my whole point is just that FBO, F-Boy Island is coming to the CW. <laughs> and, and they just posted a tweet where they 
<laughs> they had Archie in a picture with all the F boys. <laughs> <laughs> like they were saying all their CW stars could be F boys. They also had Julian in the picture. Tracks. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. Um Yeah. Um Are you much of a reality TV person? Uh Occasionally, I will watch a show just for entertainment value. Um, not on the regular. Like sometimes I'll get sucked in, and then that's that. <laughs> <laughs> it really is like the potato chips of TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, I think that's all the news for me. Have you got anything you'd like to add? Um, nope. All right, so let's get into the episode details. The title of this episode is Chapter 132, Miss Teen Riverdale. And it was written by Aaron Allen and Chrissy Maroon. They both have uh, long credits on the show. Um, Aaron Allen is a producer. And another episode he did this season was the Dirty Dancing one. And Chrissy Maroon is actually an executive story editor for the season. And earlier the season she did the love and marriage episode this episode was directed by michael goy and this is actually his second episode of riverdale oh wow and his very first episode was way back in season four the one called in treatment do you remember that one um no what was it about do you know yeah basically i remember uh that was when they the characters all went to Miss Burble, who was like their guidance counselor. And she oh, was yes. And some advice that they didn't pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this vividly. I actually think I've watched this episode pretty recently because I've been like watching with friends, like trying to introduce people to Riverdale. And I'll kind of just like click on random episodes. And I remember mm-hmm. pulling this episode up and being like, I forgot that they all went to therapy extremely briefly. Mm-hmm. I like Mrs. Burble way more than I like uh, the new child psychologist, um, Dr. Werther's. Like, bring back <laughs> Mrs. Burble. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I gotta say, I think the director did a really great job this episode. Um, like he does a lot of other shows, but, um, yeah, there are a lot of things that stood out to me this episode that, um, I'm sure we'll talk about as we get through it, but I'm gonna give a quick episode summary. It's time for the town's annual Miss Teen Riverdale pageant and Betty, Veronica, Cheryl, Tony, Midge, and Evelyn each have their own reasons for entering. However, when Alice doesn't allow Ethel to enter the pageant, the girls band together to make sure she has a fighting chance. All right, so if you haven't watched this episode, now is the time for you to go do so because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so any initial thoughts? Well, um, you know... Not a lot happened in this episode. Um, I will also say I was a little bit worried about doing like a beauty pageant episode. And of course they make those sort of customary, like obviously it's it's sexist and outdated, which of course is a very funny thing to be saying in the 1950s, but mm-hmm. they're adhering to the 1950s thing kind of on and off, um, which is fine with me. Um, yeah, I mean, but this is like cute, like, I love the girls. I love seeing them in their beautiful dresses. And um, yeah, I mean, again, another episode where we're not really moving the larger plot forward. But <laughs> I would I would like to hear how you feel about that. Um, t- 
to that last point specifically, um, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about the what is the larger plot, I just think back to the season premiere where they're like, we got to bend towards justice. And I feel like this episode really did show the characters uh, bending towards justice. Like we've been saying for a long time, hashtag justice for Ethel. <laughs> yes, we have. And like that's she, one thing I really liked about this episode. Yeah, this is a great Ethel episode. Um, very happy for her and how everything turned out. Um, and, and this episode makes the point several times that uh, typically the events of the, what happened shouldn't have happened that way but it did because of the characters and like and and i don't know if they're like obviously they're not consciously bending towards justice but for some reason the plot is uh pushing them to have more progressive ideals and and to try to change society for the better and we're finally seeing them you know do that but like the question is how far is this going to go like what is the end goal here I don't know. Like, if the end goal is getting back to the present day, I think they pretty much said that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Which so, is crazy to me. Yeah. Considering the way that the season started. I don't know. I saw, like, a theory on uh, the Riverdale subreddit that was, like, maybe the writers are just literally taking every episode one at a time. Like, just, like, they write these little like contained stories about the the characters being the 1950s and none of them are really concerned with progressing like the returning to the to the present storyline or the tabitha as an angel storyline um and that makes me interested to see how it's going to end yeah uh, that's one reason why i like to shout out the the writers and the directors of these episodes because uh like we said this episode one of the writers is an executive story editor so like she uh, Chris Maroon should, um, you know, have a sense of the overall arc of the season. And um, and I did notice a few things that, like, called back to previous episodes. But I think sometimes it does feel like there's a different writer every episode and they have a different focus. Like, for example, we didn't really get much of a follow-up on the Betty-Veronica relationship. I mean, they were friends. Like, they had a few scenes together, but it was nothing very romantic or emotional unlike last week so (laughs) yeah that's what's interesting is we're picking up plot threads that we had kind of dropped for a little bit like i remember last episode you mentioning i would like to hear more about betty's little newsletter that she started but then we didn't hear about for at least one episode Mm -hmm. Uh, same thing with like midge's pregnancy i kept thinking like when are we going to hear about how midge's pregnancy is going and Mm -hmm. that returned this episode but as you said other threads were dropped in response so they're kind of juggling a lot at the same time it's interesting what each writer decides to pick up and drop and maybe it also has to do with like editing what gets cut for time yeah and i also want to say like this show has a huge cast like it's such an ensemble show like we can't follow every plot in every episode yes and to that point like it's why I'm forgiving of the show to not have Tabitha this whole season because, like, as much as I love Tabitha, it's just too many characters to keep up with. Like, sometimes I think if you if you use a character sparingly, then their appearances will have more impact. And I think that's what they're going for with Tabitha. She's like a wild factor. Like, is she from the past or is she from the present? Like, <laughs> from the future. She's that's, just a time yeah, traveling queen. Like, I don't know. But... um. 
like I know a lot of fans have expressed disappointment, and I and I get it. Believe me, I'm disappointed too. But but this episode had what seven, eight characters as the main characters this episode, and then they still had the background characters. I'm like, and Archie and the boys, like they took a backseat this episode, but they were also in it. Like and they were hilarious. <laughs> I cracked up when they showed up. But um, yeah, I, it's interesting. It's always interesting to watch Riverdale week to week and, and try to guess what are we going to get answers on this week, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to circle back, I would say I do think it moved the plot forward, just probably not in the way we expected. Um, so let's talk about Ethel a little bit more. Um, because in this episode, she was giving Cinderella, she was giving Beauty and the Beast, and she was just killing it. She sang a song. She was amazing. Everybody yeah, it. it was very Cinderella um, on account of, you know, being an orphan and <laughs> getting mistreated. Yeah, but like also- she, was, she, she was literally on her knees, like having to like sew the pretty dresses for the other girls. And then she was crying. And, I know. <laughs> it was so sad. And like, it, it was weird too, because like, they're all in, in Mary's dress shop. And Betty notices Ethel crying. And she's very nice about it. she's like oh, ethel why are you crying and then and then ethel's just like you're just all just so beautiful um and like nobody notices this like I don't, like 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 props to betty for not like putting her on the spot but still i'm like why does nobody else care or <laughs> <laughs> because everybody notices uh that midge has gained weight and that uh especially alice like alice ears perk right up and she's like we gotta have a private chat later because i know what's going on and i don't like it yeah um they love reusing those uh sisters of quiet mercy like kidnapped children uniforms the blue like dress Mm -hmm. and the red sweater i guess nuns are the solution to all of america's problems i know i was like (laughs) i didn't realize people were getting sent to nuns for like everything back then send your kids to the nuns they're like yeah they'll figure it out um which also poor midge but part of me was like oh my gosh we have another kid going to the sisters of quiet mercy why is this always a plot line yeah yeah it's like a revolving door but i'm also not shocked that midge got sent to the sisters of quiet mercy because as you probably remember from earlier i had some doubts about tony's plan usually tony is a very practical girl but this time around, she's like, oh, we'll solve the Midge pregnancy problem by having Fangs write a best-selling song and winning over Midge's parents, which is not, I think, the best plan ever on account of its unlikeliness to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's possible within the realm of this version of Riverdale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I mean, Riverdale. <laughs> and on top of that, Tony is a teenager. Like, like she's is she really going to have all the answers to their problems? Like... As far as we know, she hasn't even been through it, the same kind of situation personally. So, so where is she getting all this uh, advice from? Uh, I, I'd be interested to know if maybe she had like a sister or like a I don't know. Like we, I want to see more about Tony's home life, honestly. But I would also like that. But um, if we with- got like a Tony centric episode, that would make me so happy. Well, fingers crossed. There's not a lot of episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did see Kevin's home life last week, so that was a surprise. Um, but, yeah, I, with Midge, you know, it was good to see them follow up on her pregnancy. She's still not showing, but apparently the other characters noticed. Like, that was a shot I want to call out. So when, when Alice um, 
takes Midge to Pops and confronts her about the pregnancy. Um, this is a really cool shot of Midge. She has a really shocked face and like the camera like zooms in a weird way. So you can like Yes. Focus I was gonna mention that as well. Very cool. Yeah, it looked fantastic. It did a really good job of of like putting us into the like emotional, visceral feeling of of that kind of confrontation. So kudos to the director on that one. I thought that was a fantastic shot as well. Likewise. And uh to just finish up on talking about things and Midge, because they don't have a huge plot this episode um i just think they're really cute um i buy that they care about each other they like they tell each other they love each other like you said um, we see midge in at the sisters she gives fangs a call um you get to see all these old-timey phones and um yeah uh the way that fangs cares about midge like he wants to support her like at first he's questioning if she should even be in the pageant but then she expresses how this might be your only chance to even go for it. And so she does. And, he, and then he's like, oh, he, he has a line that I love. Um, if those judges got eyes in their head, they won't even look at those other wannabes because you're the hottest mama with the classiest chassis in the whole town by a mile. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was adorable. I love Fangs. Yeah. They're, yeah, as you said, I agree with you 100%. They're a very sweet couple. Um, and I really hope the Sisters of Quiet Mercy don't steal their babies. <laughs> Like and again, this is a thing where it would be more accurate if this was Moose instead of Fangs, but Mo- Fangs just has so much charm. I I don't care. Like I love Fangs, so um, I'm, yeah, I agree with that. And I'm I'm just so um shocked by the fact that removing Fangs from the Cheryl Tony coupleship has like made them all friends. Like because there was so much animosity. <laughs> when he was coming between uh Cheryl and Tony in previous seasons but um but now that they have separate interests everyone's cool <laughs> in fact yeah, Cheryl and Tony surprised. are trying to help Fangs get in contact with Midge yeah well i would never want to be competing with Cheryl for anything right, so right. <laughs> like that was like dumb of Fangs to even like risk her wrath <laughs> but um it, it is wild to me because I just think back to season six and how everybody was on the Barchi train and everybody was mad about the, the Tang's relationship and none of that matters anymore. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't matter anymore, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, it's Riverdale. Yeah. Know? Keep, they keep the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, really, I could, I could make another video essay arguing how this is a, uh, an allegory for television, mm-hmm. but I will spare everyone that. Like uh, again, I do want to shout out your your YouTube video where you talk about postmodernism in um, in Riverdale and how it is kind of like a stream of consciousness show where it's just like thing 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 after thing happening. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that. I I knew I had to say something online about Riverdale mm-hmm. because I I I don't know. I just feel like really interesting things are always happening in it. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing I want to shout out was the opening scene. Like like you said, we have this opening scene of all the girls writing to Betty under her girl next door pseudonym. And uh, we see some very interesting camera shots, like the cameras rotating all around them, swooping in. And uh, we get to see some of the sets. Like we see Cheryl putting her letter in the mail uh, on the street in front of the Babylonium. Like you kind of get just a 
sense of the world that they're inhabiting and um and just everything that they were writing in their letters was so on point to their character like veronica was writing about how uh she's upset because no one takes her seriously as a young businesswoman and then she said did you know i can't even open a checking account and i was like you know what (laughs) how has she kept this business running (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're like wait a second (laughs) yeah like i I guess uh maybe identity fraud (laughs) who knows she she always has a plan but uh yeah i would i would say if there's one thing that's true about veronica is that she always has some kind of plan Mm -hmm. if she wants something to happen it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and she uh and yeah like she's just I thought that was a great beat for her. And then Tony was expressing how um, it's tough, uh, you know, existing in a world that doesn't, you know, celebrate black people uh, the same way they do white people. And then Cheryl was talking about how difficult it is to be closeted. And then Midge was talking about um, her fear of being stigmatized um, if people found out about her pregnancy. And then Evelyn was just being a bitch like, <laughs> whole character she's like dear girl next door or should i say little miss busybody what makes you think you have all the answers anywho <laughs> and i mean go off go I'm, off evelyn like she just has time to send hate mail and just like be <laughs> hateful to everybody <laughs> um she reminds me um have you seen greece uh yes um you know the character what's her name like was she her was her name polly was it? Are you talking about Polly? I think there's like a Polly. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. Uh, I haven't seen it for a really long time. I will tell you that. Oh, it was Patty. I I was in this play in high school, so I was trying to think back to the name. Uh, Patty Simcox is a character in Greece, who is like, um, she's a cheerleader. She's like a goody two shoes. She's kind of judgy to all the other girls, and um, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Evelyn here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then there's Ethel who also writes a letter and she just talks about how it's hard for her when everything around her is beautiful, but the the world is constantly reminding her that she's not beautiful. And yeah, I mean, um, I really liked the spotlight on the girls this episode. I think they deserved it. Um, I think they did a great job. Yeah. I wish they had maybe... I don't know. This is kind of just like a personal opinion thing, so take it with a grain of salt. I do a little bit wish it hadn't been a beauty pageant, you know, and the episode kind of addresses this, but at the same time, like, I don't know, in normal Riverdale, we didn't really get that, like, that many all-girls, like, episodes, and a lot of times it was, like, solving murders or, you know, transporting drugs, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I like to see the girls do that stuff. I thought it was cool, um, or, like, see Betty solve mysteries, mm-hmm. so it's not that this was a letdown for me at all, but, um, you know, this would have been, like, e- even brought to a new level if they had been doing something, you know, related to a mystery or, or something like that. Interesting. Well, um, I got to ask you then, because um, when I was watching it, you know, as a guy, like I, I'm not, a, I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to have the same perspective, but I think that, um, I think that they ch- did a good balance of like using the setup of a beauty pageant to uh, 
because Riverdale just loves to have their cake and eat it too. Like they want to show off the beauty of their actresses. They're so beautiful. They look amazing in these gowns. And then, um, but then at the same time, they, they do have a critique of the whole practice of it. And, um, and like the girls, they, I think they had some interesting things to say about it. Like, um, like, not, like when, when Betty started calling out everybody about it, they started calling her out. Like, what about when you had your peep show? Or what about when you uh, <laughs> showed your panties on TV? <laughs> like, like, why do you have a problem with it now? <laughs> and then uh, and then Veronica, she had the most to say. She was like, you know, I love being beautiful and not by anyone else's standards, by my own standard. Like, uh, And then the whole idea of them rooting for each other and teaming up with each other. I mean, except for Evelyn, but everybody else. Keeps- <laughs> Like, like we're going to, you know, if we if we do compete, we're going to do it in a way that celebrates each other rather than um, snips at each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, within the like, within the story, I'm always happy to see them all interact and work together. That makes me very happy. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just more like the 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 sort of like submitting yourself for for judgment by the three judges. Although to be fair, because of the episode's ending, that's not really what happened. Like mm-hmm. I think it was actually very interesting and very different that Riverdale yeah. points out, you know, like there's no way that Ethel wins this competition even though the story sells it as like her talent show is absolutely the best. She's really talented. She's she's making herself vulnerable. She deserves to win it. And then also what happens is that Alice, a woman, goes behind a bunch of men's backs to make sure that Ethel wins. Like that's very that's a that's a cool spin to me. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that. And yeah. I also thought it was nice that the show allowed Ethel to say, you know, like I do want to be a part of this and like showing her imaginative, like her daydream about Oh my god, it. yeah. That was so adorable. I yeah. loved that. Yes, yes to all of that. Like um I thought that was an interesting in, intriguing plot point with Alice being the one who uh made the call to make Ethel the winner and, and and Ethel's dream in the beginning like um, it was so great to see it was so funny because like they I love the heightened reality scenes that they have where it's like okay this is Ethel's fantasy and everything she wants is coming true her parents are alive and Jughead's her boyfriend and like just all the things that we've been commenting on like how poor Ethel she doesn't have anything anymore but um at least in her dreams, she has very vivid dreams, and uh, and then and then reality. She had a very happy ending for this episode, and it was very surprising. Like this is something I want to contrast to the Carrie musical because um, this episode has so many callbacks to the Carrie musical. Like first of all, uh, when Alice was telling everybody that Midge is no longer with us, <laughs> Betty was like, "Is she dead?" <laughs> like uh no she's just with the sisters like uh like that's one thing that was a callback to that episode and then and then with ethel you know like um what was i gonna say um i remember ethel was jealous of midge and then later on betty for being the lead no or with cheryl cheryl was the lead in carrie but the story of carrie is about setting up an unpopular girl going through adolescence to humiliate her in, in front of everybody at school at the prom. So like this is, this could have easily gone a carry direction. Like a lot of times shows do that, you know, and this own, sh- this show has done something similar, but, but they decided to actually just give her the happy ending. what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, 
it's really nice and I don't know it's just like it's such a small detail but I like seeing that part of like oh well I like seeing all of Ethel's daydream but I like seeing that part of it was like that she wished her parents were still alive because we saw her not have that great of a relationship with them and they just disappeared and so I Mm -hmm. like seeing like okay it's more complex with that and yeah. I also think it's really cute that, like, she wants her art to be in the Guggenheim. And oh, my God. Jughead yeah. to be her boyfriend. Yeah. And, like, it's just so nice. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I am, like, uh, 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 an Ethel head shipper. Because <laughs> it was just so sweet. And she deserves it, you know? Yeah, at least for Ethel's sake. Like, she, we all know she wants Jughead. And it was nice to see her get something that she wants. Um, and honestly, her and Jughead have a lot in common. Yeah. Um, I do kind of feel like Jughead and Tabitha have been set up to be end game. If there is an end game, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to say at this point. And then we've been wondering if Jughead is asexual, but that's it's all beside the point. Um, Ethel loves Jughead, and she finally got a kiss from him in her dreams. <laughs> um. Yeah, did you at all worry this episode that something bad was going to happen to her? Honestly, no. I it didn't even cross my mind to be honest. I I kind of thought based on like after seeing Ethel's daydream, I was kind of like, oh, they're they're going to get Ethel into the pageant somehow, and I wasn't sure what what was going to happen after that. But I didn't even I didn't even consider that something bad would happen. If that makes sense, like, well, I, I'm I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like I feel like. <laughs> I was worried something bad would happen, and then it didn't. And now I'm worried that something bad's going to happen to her next episode because when you look at the end of this episode, you've got um, the you got the evil old white guys who were the judges. They're pissed because you know the, it didn't go their way. Like they voted for Betty, <laughs> and then you've got Hal and Alice have some weird thing going on. We don't know all the details of that, and. So I'm wondering if they're going to send a new milkman to kill Ethel now, now that she won the beauty queen because oh, because of the judges. Like they sent the, the, the milkman to kill her before when he, she was at um, Brad Rayberry's house. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I just need more explanations. Like I need them to go back to the milkman <laughs> plot. Yeah, I would also like more explanations. Um, <laughs> I... I will be interested to see how they resolve this milkman being connected to the evil white guys of the town plot line. Like, I want to know how he's connected to the principal and to Clifford Blossom. And like, we're like, not getting any of that. Like, it was such a small little scene of them being the judges because it's like everybody commented on how creepy it was to have these old white men like judging them. But and it was faculty at their school. Yeah. And so, like, you have Dr. Werther's who, who was. A few weeks ago, asking Betty her deepest sexual fantasies and like and, and comparing her to Lolita, and then <laughs> yeah, it does not look good. So he's voting for Betty, and then you have Clifford Blossom, who um, apparently isn't worried about conflict of interest, being like judging his own daughter in the competition. It, <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. But I guess he voted for Betty too, or or maybe it was two to one. I don't know. But <laughs> it seems like a very strange panel of judges. I mean, you're right. They intentionally chose like evil judges, which is why I shouldn't have been surprised that Alice like threw it. And I think that's kind of cool to like let Alice get her moment. And on top of that, like it was just such an intri- intriguing back and forth between Alice and Betty because Alice is always oppositional to everything Betty does. 
but she also is quick to turn around. Like in this episode, um, at first, Betty, when she finds out about the, the pageant, she's not interested. And Alice is, um, you know, not surprised that Betty's not interested. But then after Veronica convinces Betty to sign up, Alice is still not pleased. She's like, what are you up to now? Are you going to find a way to pull the temple down around us? <laughs> I thought that was a funny line. And then um, and Betty's like, I thought you'd be happy. And then, then, and then Alice finally turns around. She's like, you know what? It would be my dream if you become uh, the Miss Riverdale. And then, uh, and then she lets Betty know a little bit about her past and how when she was younger, she won the pageant. And she had hopes that she would get to travel the world and be a stewardess. But um, starting a family kind of uh, turned that dream around. So what do you think of that? I mean, there was a lot of Alice in this episode. And you know that I have some opinions about Alice. Of course. And she was, to be fair, very crazy in this episode. She was very, like, all over the place. And the explanation that she gave Betty as to why she said Ethel's name was definitely strange and, and intentionally hurtful to Betty. Also, though, as I've expressed before, I think that it was a kind, really, like, thoughtful thing to do, to throw it to Ethel. And it's also sort of, like, it makes a statement within the, the the larger narrative of the show by having a woman disregard a bunch of men's opinions about which girl should win this like pageant that would directly improve their lives like Alice already kind of knows that Betty doesn't need the scholarship mm-hmm. as she said and that she doesn't care about the other prizes mm-hmm. and as she's pointed out Ethel has nothing now mm-hmm. so it presents a pretty complex view of, of Alice yeah like Alice definitely um hinted at uh, both a good and a bad motivation like like um betty says like i can tell you're equivocating here but i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and, and maybe believe that there is some goodness deep inside of you because um because what she did was a good thing like uh it's a kind thing for ethel um and maybe she did it just despite betty because she didn't want Betty to win, or maybe uh, she, um, it could be any number of reasons, but um, I don't think Alice truly knows the reason. I mean, we did see her tearing up a lot backstage while Ethel was performing, and, you know, maybe her heart was, uh, grew a few inches, like in the Grinch or something. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, um, one thing Alice made sure to do was to take full credit for making Ethel's life better and try yes. to take away the credit for bet from Betty and everything Betty was doing. Yeah. She was like, you see how it wouldn't have worked, but like Betty was the reason that Ethel was in the pageant in the first place and had the opportunity to like win you over Alice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but I mean, this is again, not weird Alice behavior. I will say she did a good thing, but a stopped clock is right twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is also just very consistently mean to her daughter. So mm-hmm. I still have some some trouble summoning up sympathy for Alice, even if this was a cool move. Of course. Like, I I definitely think Alice is uh, a complicated character. Um, but I think Machen Amick is great at playing the inconsistencies. Um, oh, one, yeah, definitely. Like, one thing they called back to, it, like, way back in seasons one and two, there was a lot of... Uh, scenes where Alice would scream at Hal 
or how incompetent he is or, or screwing stuff up. And then and so she does that again here. And it's, it's very interesting, especially because now we're in the 50s, because like we've said before, who wears the pants in this house? Like who like Alice pays Hal the respect that um, she tries to like say that he's like he's the boss because it's the 50s and she's the housewife or whatever. But still, she has she's the boss because she she always wants it her way. And she will chew out how in an instant. Like, um, it was kind of funny how the girls, how Betty and Veronica went to Hal to try to get around Alice. And so, yeah, it was interesting to see Alice and Hal fighting. Because like we said, we didn't get to see any of Kevin's parents fighting last episode. Like, we don't even know why they divorced. Yeah. <laughs> but... but for some reason, Alice and Hal are still together, and they, they seem to be hiding some kind of secret about the past. Um, I mean, I, well, I was wondering this episode, like, maybe it's related to Charles, like, Alice's son, because if, well, I mean, it's hard to say whether or not events that happen in contemporary timeline Riverdale also necessarily happened in 50s Riverdale, right. but in contemporary timeline Riverdale, Alice had a son and it wasn't with Hal mm -hmm. and this was when she was in high school so I'm kind of like are we gonna get that into the equation again like yeah like there were hints like the way Alice was so um, upset about Midge being pregnant it hints that maybe Alice was pregnant in high school like she was in, oh yeah in the in the other timeline and and maybe that's why she's so um the way she is <laughs> yeah It'll be interesting to see, like, what they do with that relationship. Because there's also the question of, like, is Hal still evil? <laughs> true, true. I think he is. Well, he didn't come off great in this episode. Well, he didn't come off as the most evil either, though. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, he like, he was just kind of, like, he was kind of a pushover. Like, like, the girls, like, he did what they wanted. Like, not only did they want Ethel to perform, they also wanted to end the swimsuit competition. And he was very upset. But he was like, that's the best part. And then they were like, sorry, we don't like it. It's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do have to say that there are several Archie comic books um, from the past where the girls were participating in beauty competitions. And on all the covers, they're in their swimsuits. Like, this is par for the course back in the day. Um, but it just kind of goes to show how... how things change and how perspectives change and um you know i think it's a good thing that uh, we're hearing more women's perspectives and uh, giving them more agency about how they present themselves um so i do want to say though i felt cheated that we did not get to see veronica's acrobatics like she was walking a tightrope apparently <laughs> <laughs> and betty's uh gettysburg address i want to yeah. see that that's funny <laughs> do you think uh she did it uh like in a costume like like abraham lincoln or was she just in a dress or <laughs> i don't know i mean evidently it was good enough to win over the opinions of the judges although yeah. i'm not sure they were really judging based on the talent show portion <laughs> i guess like um what do you think cheryl tony evelyn's talents are mm, maybe tony red's also did some like spoken word poetry since mm -hmm. she seems to run in those circles I like that i feel like cheryl probably did like a maple demonstration and this is how you <laughs> tap <a> tree <laughs> maybe cheryl did like a sexy dance <laughs> she does like that is her go-to thing sometimes um evelyn i don't have the 
beginning of an idea what she did. <laughs> maybe she did like some roast comedy where she was just like roasting <laughs> everybody in the room. <laughs> maybe maybe she harvested some organs on stage. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> she did some surgery. Like, like that like that's the funniest thing to me that like this show, like we all know that they have a lower budget than usual and um they're making the most of like what they have, but that means that we don't get to see a lot of scenes that might have required you know more budget so we just have to use our imaginations <laughs> to be fair getting lily reinhardt to recite the gettysburg address passionately would not have required that much more budget well i guess you're right about that i mean if, if kj can do the crucible she can do the gettysburg address exactly <laughs> i'm sure we'll get a betty speech before this is all over we usually do like at the end of season one yeah, monologue season four like she's always like giving a speech um and she does give a speech at the end of this episode where she writes back to all the girls and i thought this was hilarious because she gives us all their pseudonyms um of course veronica was writing as monica posh tony was sandy sapphire <laughs> like you really couldn't have guessed who that was <laughs> cheryl was coral peas bottom <laughs> That was good. <laughs> and then Midge was Bitsy Block. Like, I don't know if that's a reference or anything. I don't know. Um, Evelyn was Carrie Carry On. I, I also feel like that one's kind of obvious. I feel like the most obvious with Ethel's was because it was Edith Cups. Yes, that was pretty. I mean, like, like Ethel, girl. Yeah. Come on. We all know Ethel Muggs is Edith Cups. Edith, Edith Cups. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Carry On was pretty funny, though. It sounds yeah. like a drag name. I think it sounds like a, like a, a doll. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just a very cute episode. Um, I do want to shout out that the song that Ethel performed, Who Will Love Me As I Am, that's from a musical called Sideshow. And this musical is anachronistic to the 1950s. I think it came out in 1990s. Um, and they had a revival since then. But I guess they're presenting it as like a song that Ethel herself wrote. I don't know. Maybe. Like, they, they were kind of vague about, like, like they, they did call out the title of the song, but other than that, they didn't really talk about its origins. Like, I kind of got the Im impression that everyone in the audience knew the song, but maybe not. Well, it was a great song. She did a great job. She did. Um, also, Kevin does some singing. He sings Some Enchanted Evening from uh, South Pacific. Um I gotta say he's not as good as Brian Stokes Mitchell, but uh, <laughs> you know, but but you know he he did his best. He did fine. <laughs> um, I thought it was great when Clay was like, "Oh, turn up the TV, Pop." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Kevin's loved, about to sing. I loved all the scenes with the boys just because, like, they gave them each like a little one-liner that like spoke to their character. Like, it was just some fun ensemble writing. Like, like they didn't need to have they didn't need to have big role in this episode, but it was just so funny to me how halfway through the episode you got the boys say hurry up Archie and, he, and then he runs out of the bathroom he's trying to like um put his belt back on <laughs> like um, uh, he probably didn't even wash his hands but uh, definitely yeah. not you think Archie <laughs> washes his hands after going to the bathroom <laughs> in the 1950s no <laughs> but um and then you got like everybody Jughead uh Reggie Julian Clay and Pops like every, all the boys are at Pops watching and cheering on the girls which I thought was great because we've seen the girls cheering on the boys you know whether it's um 
basketball or whatever. And so it was nice to see the boys cheer on the girls. Yeah, definitely. Like they were so hyped. Like like they were loving it. Like I Reggie had this hilarious line. <laughs> he said, We used to have a Miss Duck Creek competition and, and then that included butter churning <laughs> <laughs> or butter carving or something. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that reminded me of like where my dad grew up, where I would go to the county fair and it would be like quilting competition, <laughs> like best pig. Yeah, like very small town, very cute. Um, like even Jughead was, you know, into it. Like um, he called, he made a joke at Julian um, for like, what did Julian say? Something about them uh, canceling the swimsuit part. Mm-hmm. And Jughead was like, oh, you what? You want to look at your sister in the swimsuit? Um, yeah. A little call back to the weird relationship between Cheryl and uh, and Jason. <laughs> but, but, but they make pretty clear that, that Cheryl and Julian do not have that same kind of relationship. He's like, no. I'm rude for anyone who's not my sister. <laughs> Although, to be fair, it seems like from, from what we saw a bit earlier in the season that they have, a, they have a connection. But I think it's a much more accurate, like, sibling representation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it was cute just to see them all have everyone's reaction. Like, and Jughead was like whistling at um, Veronica when she came out, and a little nod to their brief relationship. And uh, and he was impressed by Betty's Gettysburg address, so a little crumb for the Bughead shippers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like uh, it was just really great to see them cheering on Ethel. I think I think Reggie said. I'm in love with Ethel, like, after she said. <laughs> I know, that was adorable. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, any other things we need to hit here? Um, not that I'm aware of. I want to shout out when Alice was training the girls. Uh, there were a lot of funny lines there. Like, when, um, when Evelyn made a rude comment Cheryl called her the goon from Saskatoon (laughs) (laughs) and um and then Tony had a comment about how like she doesn't need the judges telling her how shapely her rear is like she knows she's got a good shape and then and then um then Evelyn called her greaser garbage and then and then Tony called her like a preppy troll like I love how Tony and Cheryl are not bothered by Evelyn like they got they're like they got to come back for her every time like Cheryl said, go walk off a, go take a long walk off a short pier. <laughs> Cheryl and Tony, I feel like this is maybe one of the, maybe they bond over this in their relationship, you know, uh, when they're not on the screen, is is their love of of quips and comebacks. <laughs> of of, of uh, snapping back at, uh, at Evelyn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I just kind of really enjoyed having Evelyn in the episode as like the antagonist to their little friend group, like... <laughs> She had a a weird energy that was entertaining to watch. Um, and then a- Alice had all these crazy lines. She's like, we must carry ourselves with the dignity of English royalty. <laughs> <laughs> and, then she, and then she was like, um, she said, you must serve as ambassadrix for Riverdale for the entire year of your appointment. I'm like, is that even a word? Have you heard that word before? Ambassadrix? Uh, well, I know that like IX is the feminine ending for oh, 
gosh, I can't remember what language it is. The word has to be derived from, but like that's how you get dominatrix. It's right, like a, right. a, an ending that means female version of this role. But that specific word, no, never before. That's why I was so interested by. It. I was like, is this a mix between an ambassador and a dominatrix? Like, is that, <laughs> is that what the title means of Miss Riverdale Teen Queen? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that was what it was intended to be. Maybe that's like in the 1950s, they were still using the really like gendered versions of words. And that was what they called them. But also like, yeah, it's a little evocative of dominatrix. I got to also call out the scene at the dress shop. Um, They're at Mary's dress shop. Did you notice what it was called? It's like, oh my gosh, it has something to do with peaches, right? Yeah, Perky and Peach. Oh, right, right. And this is a reference to the fact that Molly Ringwald is famous for the movie Pretty in Pink, amongst other movies, but that's uh, a specific reference there. Oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. And and it was just a great scene where you had all the girls talking. You had Mary and Alice talking about the past and and how uh, Mary never won. Alice always won. But Mary had dreamed that it would take her somewhere. It would be a stepping stone to somewhere more important, like the White House, as the first lady, and then the girls start talking about if a woman could be president, and then Tony mentions, well, maybe a black person, man or woman, might be president one day. And then um, and Betty says that she thinks that this will happen in their lifetimes. And we know from a 2023 perspective that, you know, we did get Obama. But we still haven't had a woman, woman president of the United States yet, maybe one day. But, um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting conversation. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be reminded of the fact that, like, I think that people complain, and for good reason. There are a lot of things to complain about. But it's also nice to remember, you know, we have made progress. Like, people saying this is wrong has brought change to the world. And I don't know. I think that, like, in our current political climate, the time of Obama feels, like, so far away. Like, when Obama was president, the it felt like America had gotten over certain issues that it turned out later on. We obviously hadn't, but it was just very hopeful and i think that ultimately a lot of people do want to be able to like make a version of the quote-unquote american dream that is like for everyone Mm -hmm. um not just certain people so i don't know like i think it's nice to to orient yourselves like that and like say there was something that we were aiming for and it did end up happening and and there's still hope for the future that's kind of like the meaning of the episode like the end where betty says like you know the hope is is there and it's us i actually found that quite touching yeah that was beautiful um yeah i don't i i don't want to turn too much to the political side of the conversation but i did want to say you know uh when i think back to like the obama presidency i i feel like a lot of people were striving for like the hope and change that he promised and like um like and it was there was some optimism about america moving in a better direction um although there was still a lot of antagonism like i remember people burning effigies of obama or hurling racist insults against him and michelle yeah people hated obama which Mm -hmm. was very disappointing to see he had lots of tea party uh hatred towards him um like he couldn't even wear a tan suit without being trashed (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then you see what the next guy did (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah like it's so yeah, America has always been, you know, they've always resisted change. Um, and, and, you know, we all know what we're dealing with here in 2023. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really nice to 
hear the, the girls talking about their hopes and dreams. And like you said, to hear Betty at the end, encouraging them all to uh, have hope for the future and, and to look to themselves as that hope. And I think that's a good spot to kind of uh, wrap up our discussion here, unless there's anything else uh, we should mention. Um, Not as far as I'm aware. All right. So I guess it's time to rate the episode. So, Kendi, is it a 10? I hmm, I think I am going to give it relatively harsh, not saying I didn't enjoy the episode, but I'm going to give it a five. And my reason for that is I think, you know, it was made extremely competently. Actors were doing a great job as always. I really liked a lot of the messages of this episode. I found it very emotionally affecting. But this is the last season, and I would like to see a little bit more resolution, I guess, of those major plot lines that we're waiting to see you know, resolved. And we didn't get any of this that episode, and I'm hoping that we will get it soon. So that's why I'm rating it a five. Okay. I'm going to give it a nine. Like, I, I really liked it. Um, I think it had a lot to say. And I'm here for sitcom Riverdale. Like, I feel like this season is more of a sitcom than any of the prior seasons. Um, and, and like in the vein of like happy days or like, or whatever, you know, um, what's another example? I don't know, but, um, no, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, I think, of course there are elements of the old Riverdale here and there, but I, I don't really need them to be entertained. Like I, I kind of like what's going on right now, even if it doesn't resolve, like I'm, <laughs> I'm putting that aside for now. Maybe I'll regret that once we finally see the ending. (laughs) No, I totally get your point of view. Like, I think these are both reasonable ways to feel about the episode, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, uh, I'm just trying to enjoy the moment because I do think it was a great episode. Like, like, like we said, uh, you got both sides of, you got to see um, all the girls dressed up, looking their best. um, And then you also get to see them have thoughtful conversations about what does this even mean? Like, should we even be doing this? Like, I think um, I liked seeing all the different perspectives. I liked, I liked everything about it. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it did miss a few elements. So that's why it's not getting a 10. Um, so, but other than that, you know, it was, it was good. All right. Um, I do want to make another comparison to the Carrie episode. Like, one thing I've been thinking about a lot with the, the last week's musical episode, you remember when Betty and Veronica sang that song about the universe being inside them? Yes. I just keep thinking back to the Carrie episode when um, Betty and Archie had a song. It was called You Shine. And Archie was singing to Betty. And Betty ended up singing the rest of the song to Veronica. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, like she was so upset about what was going on with their friendship at the time. She was like, I I said something to Veronica that I regret. I want to go reassure her that like I'm like I'm sorry and that like um and that she is important to me. Like 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 I feel like that's like a a small callback to like how I mean even though the song that they were singing was was diegetic, like it was part of the play, like Betty and Ron- and Archie at the time weren't dating. At the time that was Barty Crumbs because they were not a couple at all, but um, just the fact that she left 
Archie to go have an emotional moment with Veronica in the in in the real world of their lives in that episode kind of shows like you know it is a consistent thing for Betty and Veronica to sometimes put their relationship first maybe <laughs> yeah that's a good point so I was kind of uh just thinking about that over the past week um all right well uh do you want to know what's coming next for Riverdale in the next episode I would love to know what's coming next well smut is coming to town all the Riverdaleans are going to be taking sexy pictures and watching sexy movies and getting turned on. So, <laughs> so hmm, more this reminds me a little bit of some episodes that have happened prior. Right, right. Like, I don't know if we're going to get a lot more plot advancement because we keep returning to them being horny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe the, uh, the promo is just, again, trying to show all the, the sexy scenes and, and, and surprise us with any plot that we'll get. Yeah, it's a red herring. Now, I will say there was one quick little sh- shot in the promo that is very intriguing. Guess who was there? Guess who's showing up next week? Who? Polly. Huh. And really? Not, not only is are we going to see Polly, apparently Polly has been taking some sexy pictures. What? <laughs> That's interesting. So you were saying earlier, you were thinking maybe the secret with how and Alice has to do with Charles it might but it might have something to do with Polly like maybe we'll learn about where she's been or why they don't talk about her <laughs> well I'm very excited to hear more about what Polly's been doing this whole time yeah all right so um now uh is there any other media you'd like to shout out I'm just watching more pretty little liars honestly interesting um so I have never watched it, so I have to ask you, is that like, is it like Gossip Girl or is it different? You know, honestly, it's kind of like a combination of Riverdale and Gossip Girl. It's like, it's very Riverdale in that it's a bunch of high schoolers trying to solve a murder and trying to like find this person who's like stalking them and ruining their lives. But they're also doing a bunch of high school stuff like they're falling in love all the time and they're also like dealing with like cliques. So it's kind of like uh it's it's like Riverdale in that way but it's it's a little bit more like Gossip Girl in that I think like it doesn't totally jump the shark like Riverdale and there's a lot of um I don't know it was it's just very like teen girl formative tv show if that (laughs) makes any sense both like Riverdale and Gossip Girl I've never seen either Gossip Girl or Pretty Little Liars but um I know that You've been watching them both, and uh, I, I'm interested to, you know, hear about it through you, about what was going on on those shows. Because I know that there, there's a lot of crossover amongst the Riverdale fandom. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like Riverdale, where, you know, every episode, it's like, someone is murdered, or someone has, like, done a big crime, or, you know, yeah. there, there's actually a pretty consistent um, student sleeping with a teacher plot line, but mm-hmm. unlike Riverdale, it happens for multiple seasons, um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of similarities in that mm-hmm. I think mainly like it's marketed towards teenagers and it's all about teenager wish fulfillment and also teenagers saying, you know, like, I want to see people like me in similar situations to me, but also dealing with like murder and, and the supernatural. Like, that's fun for anyone to see. Oh, they get into the supernatural over there. Eventually they do. Yes. Huh. Well, um, I 
I do want to go back to the thought I had before about like we talked about Betty and her advice column. Uh, I was comparing it to Bridgerton, like she's like a lady whistled down, and I think you were comparing it to Gossip Girl. And this episode kind of for me, I was like, maybe it's not like that because it wasn't really much about gossip. It was more about uh, just having a forum to express things anonymously that uh, that that think that were being repressed in society. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Like it's it's very much. I mean, the way that it was presented to us, the viewers, it's not even necessarily like an advice column. It's kind of like she just published all of the, her their disparate letters and mm-hmm. then replied to all of them at once. So maybe it's a little bit more like a newspaper where they're just publishing a bunch of editorials and then Betty's getting her word in. Um, I don't know, but I, I think that that's a very fun idea and I would like to hear more about it. I'm a little worried this is the last episode. We'll see anything about it. Well, I, I just do want to say I, I really enjoyed that they followed up on that plot this episode and it really informed Betty's entire decisions this episode. Like she was very empathetic, like because I guess now having read what other teams are going through and just and talking to her friends and like and living with Ethel, like I think we've remarked before how like Betty has kind of ignored Ethel for a lot of the time that they've been living together. <laughs> <laughs> like uh it's like she finally decides to pay attention to what Ethel's going through and, and she is supportive, um, finally. <laughs> but I, I, I did appreciate the empathy she had for Ethel and just everybody. Like she was she was not bossy. Like she was not just telling everybody what to do. She this episode she was definitely listening to other people and sometimes, you know, seeing things from their point of view. Uh, all right, so um, if I want to shout out any other media, uh, still watching Secret Invasion, uh, I'm going to do a podcast on that latest episode soon, so if you're a fan of that, look out for that. Uh, I do want to just, again, mention the writer strike and the actor strike, and also any other strikes going on, the UPS strike, uh, like, you know, workers deserve rights, and they deserve living wages, and, like, our whole economy is messed up. I want to see some changes. Like in my own industry, you know, it'd be nice to have uh, <laughs> better circumstances. But uh, you know, um, yeah. Anyone, anyone who works that much just deserves to be able to live well, like decently well. And that's not what's happening right now, in my opinion. Yeah, all across the board. We, I think, we need better uh, circumstances for workers. We need solidarity, and. Um, Oh, that reminds me of one little thing I want to shout out from the episode. I, I also really liked when, when Fangs had a little moment of solidarity, like rooting for Tony when she came out on the stage. Like, the uh, we didn't mention how Tony's motivation for being a part of the con- competition was, she said this is the first year that it's been integrated and she wants to represent, you know, like for black people to be a part of the competition show that they are, you know, just as good, just as beautiful as anybody else. And um you know, Tony did her thing. Like, uh, I was happy to see that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, well, I think that's about it. So, thank you so much, Candy, for joining me on this Riverdale review, and thanks to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow us on, or message us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. 
and League of Comic Book Geeks. Like we're we we're all over the place. So just search for DMV Comic Book Nerds or DMV CBN, and you should be able to find us. Your feedback and engagement means so much to us. And we'll catch you next time, Riverdalians. Can you dig it? Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>